0: According to a McKinsey study, there are more women in entry level retail jobs than in any other industry. But as their careers in retail continue, only 30% of these women make it to senior level leadership positions, and of those, only 13% make it to the C suite. This is the Women's Retail Collective podcast, where we pulled together those influential women in retail to talk about their careers, how they've made it to senior leadership and C suite positions, and how they're leading their organizations. Through this rapidly evolving retail industry. Join me today in welcoming Monica and Andy, founder and CEO Monica Royer. Monica, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here today.
1: Thank you so much, Ann, and I'm I'm really excited to be here. So thank you so much for having me. It is my
0: pleasure. I'm so excited to have you. Now Let's start at the beginning. I know you're from Chicago, right? We grew up in the
1: suburbs of Chicago. So okay. Downers Grove, like maybe about 15 miles outside the heart of the city. So not really in Chicago, but very close by.
0: And then tell me, a, like, your family, have, have they always been in retail? Or did you think you wanted to be in retail? Like what happened? How did, how did you kind of get to this place that you are today?
1: Yeah, great question. So definitely did not have a family in retail. My mom was an immigrant from India. Um, she moved here at like the age of eighteen or nineteen as her father oh, wow. was dying there, um, and had was you know moved here to like uh, send uh, money back to her family. And so my parents were like very traditional in many senses. My dad was a high school history teacher, um, like a, a, ma- a major history buff. And so wow. there was there was nothing about our backgrounds that would have ever <laughs> ever suggested that we would be in physical retail by any means.
0: Okay. So what was what was yes. like what how did you get into it? What happened?
1: Yeah, so you know my brother graduated from Stanford Business School in 07. Okay. And my parents were super excited that he was going to take some great financial job and I remember flying out there and you know they were like, "Hey, this is this is amazing." And we were incredibly close as siblings. Um we in a weird way, we actually had no sibling rivalry. We were very supportive of each other. And so I was also like really excited. And so we went out to his graduation dinner with him and his then roommate at the time. And they told us that they were actually launching an online men's apparel company. And so my parents were pretty surprised, I think, (laughs) because in 07, well, first of all, there was nothing about my brother either that was particularly fat. Fashionable. So, ever, you know, I think we were kind of like, you know, we're going into fashion. Like, that just doesn't seem like something that we really know as a family. Yeah. Um, And then the second component was like, nobody really buys anything online because this is (laughs) seven, right? Yeah.
0: This is like the iPhone came out. Nobody was doing, no Instagram shopping is happening in 2007. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And so my brother was like, no, like, you know, myself and some folks, like, we have a vision for what the future looks like. And so, you know, long story short, he went on. Um, to launch Bonobo, CEO and founder of men's apparel company, Bonobos. And the interesting thing was one of the things that he taught me, and this this goes back to physical retail, is the idea of really never say never. Because for the first couple of years, he talked about online only, online only, online only. And then they launched their first guy jobs. I can't remember the year. And he found out that offline, that physical retail was an incredible acquisition tool for the brand. Sure. And so in so many ways, we really launched Monica and Andy. He um, he's on the board. So he, he's not like an official, you know, he he is an official part of the team, but not an official part of the day-to-day team. So this has sort of been my gig, but certainly have learned so much and he's helped me so much along the way. And so I had understood by the time I launched Monica and Andy officially in 2014 that omnichannel was such was the way to go. That certainly people were shopping and were going to continue to shop, and online was such a fast growing way, a fast growing part of retail but that physical retail was not to be underestimated and so when i launched in 2014 it was omnichannel from the start we launched in you know right here in the heart of lincoln park our office was in the back of our guide shop and so for the first two years we were able to come face to face and see you know see our customers every single day
0: so was so monica and andy was your first foray into retail is that Or were you working with your brother on the Bonobos work?
1: No, so that's the interesting thing. I was absolutely and completely unofficially working with my brother. I was never, (laughs) never. You're the sister. You You laugh. I was never an official part of Bonobos, but I think that one of the things that's important to know is that when you have this job, when you are a founding CEO, the one thing that you desperately need is advice where there's no skin in the game for the person that's giving it to you. And so I was. My brother and I had, up till that point in life, probably been each other's biggest personal advisors, mm. and it was a really pivotal moment for him. He was 27 years old at the time. You know, the company grew very rapidly. There was not, you know, there was nothing about our backgrounds at the time that knew anything about apparel or physical retail, and so he was really learning as he went. And so I ended up learning right along with him. Although that was never my intention. My intention was like 100% to support him. Um, but again, like a lot lot of businesses are built on unfair advantage and things that you learn over time. And so, um, you know, there was a lot of unfair advantages as we launched Monica and Andy in terms of the learnings of D2C as well as just like retail and physical, you know, having an, an apparel brand.
0: Right. Well, what? how did Monica and Andy come to be? What led you to be like, okay, my thing is going to be I'm going into after baby and and kids like what what was missing that you needed to fill fill in that void or what were, what were you feeling like monica nandy and how How did that have to come alive?
1: yeah, it's interesting, so as I was nearing the birth of my daughter in twenty ten and my brother and I were kind of talking about this idea of like what was next, you know he said maybe we should do something in the women's space because I had always been like. Uh, slightly more interested in fashion than him, and he was like, I'm lear- "We're learning so much from what we're doing here at Bonobos. Maybe there's an opportunity in women's." And so, literally, like that was kind of in the back of my head as I got to the hospital to have my daughter. And then, within, <laughs> that I, like, um, t-
0: among other things, you know, just casual thoughts on the way yeah. to birth a baby,
1: Exactly. <laughs> among other things. And so, I think like within 24 hours of. Me having her in the hospital, you know, she was smaller than I'd expected. She wasn't a preemie, but nothing that I had fit um, that I'd brought for her to wear. Like the photographer was coming around to take pictures. And immediately there were two things that I learned. One, I felt super out of the know as a new mom. Like within the first 24 hours, I was like, wow, there's so much that. Somebody could have told me, but I really didn't have anybody that was like a new mom friend at the time. And so I wasn't, I didn't have anybody that I was learning from. And then the second thing, I never realized that like the one thing that she literally needed for moment one was clothing. You know, it was like, you didn't uh, pretty soon thereafter, you certainly need the car seat. Eventually you'll need the crib and the million other things that you've registered for. But in the, in the first thing that you do after the skin to skin is you put clothing on them, and so you know I, I wish like wow, I wish I'd brought something organic for her to wear and then as I started um, researching children children's clothing, I realized that there were phthalates that were in children's clothing there were small amounts of lead that were allowed to be in children 's clothing. Um, mm. a lot of it is Is sprayed with flame retardants. And then a lot of what I found is organic online, once it got to me, it felt scratchy or not soft. And then I kind of overlaid that with what I had seen my brother do at Bonobos. And I realized like mom deserves better customer experience, like whether it was any of the big box stores, like. Children's is always sort of a tertiary brand. It's like men's and women's first. Yeah, and so I thought, like, wow, this is a real opportunity from a customer service perspective. Let's put moms and kids first, and let that truly be our focus. Before the end of my maternity leave, I quit my job and I spent the next three years as a stay-at-home mom building the bones of the brand during like nap time and bedtime. There was a learning that came with those three years because I was sort of living the pain points of my customer and kind of taking it back to feeling out of the know in the hospital. That continued to follow me. I felt out of the know for the next like six to nine months, where I was kind of like always behind the curve. Yeah. And I realized what was really lacking. Like, I had worked in the pharmaceutical industry previously, I had these very social and active jobs. Big network of friends, and as soon as I had her, I felt incredibly isolated. And so, I I didn't have other friends that were having babies at the same stage. And so, what I felt was really lacking in that first year for me was community. And so, as we started to get product right, and that didn't happen overnight, I wanted to focus on like what kind of a community can we build? How can we be that first mom friend? How can Mm. we? make you feel in the know in a way that's really, really comfortable. And so this idea of community and service for the brand really took hold.
0: So what does that look like? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Like, is it, you know, you, you made this decision in 2014 to launch as an omni-channel brand. How do you bring community into your physical stores and in, and in the digital sphere?
1: It was very organic for us in that sense. I think, you know, I had a 3 year old Um, at the time that I launched the brand. And so she needed to be entertained. And I realized that you know the the guide shop that we had put our clothing, and one of the things I had realized as a new mom is that, yeah, like I was shopping for my baby, but I was very nervous to leave the house. Was her diaper gonna blow out? Was she gonna be hungry? was I, were I was I going to have a p- place where I felt comfortable breastfeeding her, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, and she was born in a super cold Chicago winter, so it was <laughs> especially hard to get out. Yeah. And I found myself like buying into classes for her by the three or four month spot, but they were like packages of classes. And so I was like, all right, It's hard to predict what a five month old is going to be doing on a day to day basis or a six month old. Eventually, it becomes more predictable. But in those early days, I was paying a lot of money and missing a lot of classes. And so I thought, you know, I want a place where we welcome like cookie crumbs and dirty diaper changes and moms being able to nurse wherever. Plus, you know, we have a whole nursing room too. Um, But, you know, it was really born out of necessity for what I was looking for. And I launched the brand with a lot of other mom brand evangelists that I had gotten to know other um, incredibly well-educated women that were also home in the first years with their children that were definitely looking to enter back into the workplace and were wanting to do something on the side. Some of them have stayed with, some of them have gone on to build their own businesses too. But I think it was like we had our kids with us. And so, and we understood based on the stage of customer in terms of what stage their baby was at, we understood what programming was necessary to. And so we just opened our doors for experiences.
0: Where do you see Monica and Andy headed? and, And how is your role you think going to evolve with that?
1: We really see this vision for the future of like a very curated and edited assortment. Um, from a nursery perspective. And so, you know, while apparel has been our first foray into getting to know our consumer, we truly see our future as like a parenting lifestyle brand. And we are really focused on building quality into that brand, so we're not at a race to get to a finish line. We really want to be sourcing and selecting and designing the very best of the best in order to offer that to our customer. And then if we overlay that with the second question, which is like, what does that mean for me? You know, I think the um, the job of the initial founding CEO and the job of the person that's there four years later, you know, and, the, and that's there when the company's at fifty million dollars and when the company's at hundred million dollars and two hundred million dollars and on and on and on. I think those are very different jobs. And so my goal as a founding CEO is to continue to stay relevant and on top of like who I need to be for the brand. And that involves a lot of coaching for me a lot of reading and a lot of soul searching about the things that I'm doing well and more way more importantly and where there's a much longer list of course you know the things that I could be doing better and I've had you know great mentors and my brother and seeing him take his company to the point where he sold it you know I've seen my husband who is a wonderful CEO at Interior Define transition into a chairman of the board role and so there's just an evolution for every founding CEO and my journey will be different and unique I'm sure than my husband's it will be different and and unique to my brothers but you know I really need to stay on top of continuing to educate and challenge myself in order to be seeing around the corner to be like who wh- what's the CEO that Monica and Andy's going to need 2 years from now and that's who I need to be working on becoming
0: what are you doing monica to keep yourself curious like are you you, you mentioned you know your mentors How are you finding mentors? How are you finding the ways that kind of are helping you? Shift how you're thinking about future Monica and Andy.
1: I think that I lucked out in terms of my interests aligning with the person that I need to continue to evolve to become. And it's so strange because I was such an unconventional CEO to begin with. I'd never taken a business course, I had no business in my background. Like there was nothing about the job that would suggest that I would love the business part of it so much. It starts out so creatively. You know, I'm working on the clothing, I'm thinking about the brand. And I still am fortunate to touch all of those aspects of things, but I've been able to hire really great people on the team that have taken my vision and made it so much better than I would have ever been capable of. The business part of it and the part that's the most important for me to continue to evolve with is the most fascinating and the most exciting part. And yeah. so I think part of that is just good fortune on the on the part that that's just what I'm most interested in doing. I also love the people side of things too. And that's a big part of the founding CEO role. Pro- probably the hardest part uh, the not easiest part and the most rewarding part all wrapped into one. <laughs> and so so I've been fortunate to have really great investors that have evolved into wonderful mentors for me. You know, I've been fortunate to get a chance to know other CEOs um, like Jen from Away or Tim from Allbirds, like some of the really greats that are out there and sort of the current D to C market that are really killing it in terms of everything that they're doing, and so it's really a very kind and welcoming community of both investors, investors, and founding CEOs that have sort of helped to help me to get to the next place. And building those relationships is something I don't always have as much time as I would like to, but has been a really um, a fascinating part of, of building an education for the person that I need to continue to become.
0: That's fantastic. Um, Do you feel like as a mom, do, do you feel like you get any curiosity from again, like just interacting with the product or kind of being in that phase that helps influence where you're going? Is that still a factor?
1: So much so. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's, it's interesting. I've actually had over the course of my journey with Monica and Andy, I've also had three miscarriages. So there's a lot about like fertility and the fertility journey. There's, you know, I've learned things from a different aspect of things, um, than I would have maybe, you you know, than what I came into with it before. And the fun part about my daughter getting older, is she's like a big part of like the design process. She's always bringing us Mm. ideas, She's like our toughest critic if we have her usually wear everything before it goes out um, and as we're designing it. And, you know, there's definitely tips that we've gotten from her like, what do kids really want to wear? Um, and so I think that a big part of how the brand has evolved from a product standpoint has certainly been me being a mom. More so, it's how I build a business over time being a working mom that has also really influenced me too. And I think about, you know, the idea of like, what's the best that we can do as a small business for the moms that are working with us and for the team, holistically speaking too. And so, you know, the idea of working motherhood and what that means and, you know, where corporations can be doing better. Those are all things that we're very focused on as a brand and things that we look forward to like leading discussions on in the future. So it's partially the product you know, but a brand is so much about how you treat yourself and how you treat your team is equally as important to how you treat your customers. And so I see that as like a big focus for us as well, just being a mom founded company.
0: What do you, what's your feeling on being a working mom? I mean, I think this is a topic that's obviously becoming more and more common, um, especially a working mother and CEO. Um, how do you, how do you try to make it work or what are your, what are some things that you try to do to kind of succeed in both of those areas?
1: Well, I think first I've like, I've done both. So I've stayed at home. I was home for three years. Um, and then, you know, I've been working for the last four and a half. Um, I would say that there was nothing harder than staying at home. It was so much fun. I absolutely loved it. Uh, Coming to work, at least from my perspective, is much easier than the days that I stayed at home. The days I stayed at home were (laughs) grueling. I still feel like I'm, even though the job's really hard, um, I I hand so much to moms that are at home all day with their kids because I feel like that, you know, I did it. I lived that for three years and Again, I wouldn't trade it for anything, but that is like hard, hard work at the end of the day. Um, And then, you know, the balance, trying to figure out the balance between work and home, I think is really difficult. And, you know, I'm always candid about it. I feel like there's things about my life that are incredibly disorganized. I always feel like I'm running late. I'm running behind on things. Like um, I'm always, you know, striving to think about like how I can um, be triaging what needs to get done. And I think there's, you know, I've talked about this recently too. Um, Bobby Azdani, who's one of my biggest investors and advisors, he talks about his entrepreneurs as sort of athletes in training. Mm. And I think there's all different ways that you could interpret that. I've sort of always interpreted it to think about like, all right, I am like an athlete in this position. <laughs> and so I need to think about like, like any real athlete does, like what are the constraints that i need to put on my life in order to achieve the goals that i've set out before me from you know a perspective of whatever that sport is and in this case like this is the sport of business i guess is the way of looking at it and so that mentality has helped me to think about like like any athlete i'm not going to be doing this forever right mm-hmm. like I, who knows how long it's going to be hopefully a lot longer because i'm having so much fun with it but this isn't like forever i won't be doing this forever and so i really think about my time like it i'm i'm training myself to get to the next place and i'm building up for like a really long marathon with this and so that mentality has helped me to make choices in terms of what i can do because i feel like over time maybe you can have it all i don't think you can have it all at the same time and so and i think the most important thing for women for moms in general is the idea of choice What recharges me in life may not be what recharges you or somebody else. Like for me, after talking to people all day at work, which I so enjoy... I don't really have a big desire to socialize outside because I feel like that depletes me. There's other people we're socializing outside that re-energizes them for, you know. So I feel like it's kind of like for me, I have to be like, what are the things that re-energize me? And how can I do as many of those things as possible? So even though I'm doing work in the evenings and over the weekend, that I can come back into Monday morning at the office, like refresh and recharge. And so I think as a working mom, you have to ask yourself, like, what, like, what are the things that you really, that recharge you and that make you feel good? And those are the things that you can carve out time for. And that may mean that other things you just don't have as much time for.
0: Yeah. I think that's, that's really smart. I mean, prioritizing how you, how you show up as best you can for both the, the mom part of you and, and the, the CEO, uh, business athlete of you. Too. Yeah.
1: And I realize and then I kind of like try to keep gratitude in my heart about things because, you know, and I think my brother said this to me once too. Like, you know, the stress we have in our lives is a privilege. What we, what we are do, what we get an opportunity to do every day. Like, let's not forget is like a privilege. It's a privilege for investors to believe in us. You know, it's a privilege to have the customers that we have. And so we always have to be positive about what the challenges are too, because, um, you know, there's people in the world facing like challenges, like obviously far and away. To anything that we're looking at ourselves. And so I do always try to keep that perspective. It's like things are going in a million different different directions. My work needs me to do this. My parents need me to do this. My husband needs me to do this. My daughter needs me to do this. I think to myself, like, wow, I'm at the, you know, at this stage of my life with my parents and my daughter and my husband and my brother and sister-in-law, like I'm sort of at the center of the universe in a way that like. 30 or 40 years from now, you know, isn't going to be the case. And so right. I'll look back on these days, and it, although they're chaotic, like they probably are the best that I'll have. And so I try never to forget that as I go through the week, because otherwise it's easy to become kind of depressed or despondent. And, you know, it's like, wow, this is like so much pressure. You know, again, the daughter of an immigrant, my grandmother in India was married at the age of 12. She had her first of nine kids at the age of 14. So I think that being the daughter of an immigrant is also something that's very close to my heart because as many challenges i've as i'm facing in the day i am i'm you know but a few generations away from like a completely different world and so if i look at my daughter's life who was born 88 years to the date of my grandmother hmm. i think like wow how 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 much the family has evolved and changed, and so we just we can 't forget where we came from and the challenges that that our family in India faced not so long ago and that de- des- that definitely helps me to keep things in perspective
0: Monica, as you think about that and and kind of if you had to imagine a, a world next year where you you weren 't going to be running Monica and Andy anymore, you had to go do something else. Based on your story so far and all that you've learned, what, what would you do, you think?
1: Yeah. I've, you know what I think for me? I, like whatever, if I wasn't doing this, I would want to really take even more time to kind of pay it forward. It's like I've, you know, I feel like I'm at a really privileged spot of, you know, understanding the current world of D2C, um, you know, understanding the current world of retail and what that looks like. And so I would want to help as many people as I possibly could to succeed in whatever they were doing. Like we've, my husband and I have recently, and again, like founding CEOs of like companies that are still in progress. So, you know, we're certainly not living a lavish lifestyle by any means, but we've started to make really small investment in female founders, um, as a nails Brella, which is like a, a, a childcare like lifestyle startup. And so our goal, even with how tiny the investments that we're making, because that's what we can afford, is really to invest in women going forward. And him and I are a team to be doing that. And so that investment isn't just hopefully about the capital. It's like how can we impart the knowledge? Like we're at a special place. Like we know a lot about a certain sector and we will only know that for the you know the time that we're doing that and it's a little bit of time after. So as operators, how can we how can we help new CEOs and new founders over time? And as as we as I get more time, I am very passionate about that. And second to that, um, is that we're launching a Monica and Andy Foundation this year, which is going to be focused mm. on empowering girls in business. And so, as an unconventional CEO myself, I realized that. <clears throat> that a lot of times you don't have an introduction to business sometimes until college.
0: Mm -hmm. And so
1: had I not fallen into this job in the way that I did, discovered the business side of things, I would have never known that that was kind of my life passion. Mm -hmm. And so my goal is to inspire as many young girls to think about business at the earliest stage that we possibly can. And a lot of that has definitely been inspired by my daughter. So I think, it's not just about investing in the women of today, but it's investing in the women of tomorrow for us too. And how can we do that?
0: What, Monica, if you had to start that and and you had to kind of go on one major piece of advice that you would impart on your daughter and the people, you know, all the way through to these, these new uh, female entrepreneurs that you have started investing in, what one piece of advice do you think you would give them given everything that we've talked about today?
1: The biggest piece of advice that I could give is, is really like believe in yourself. I think as women, sometimes like there's these voices of doubt that will creep into our heads and, you know, we're our own worst critics. And so I think the hardest thing that I've faced with this is having confidence and questioning, can I do it? And so I think that I would say, you know, believe in yourself and surround yourself with positive people that believe in you too. It, certainly try to take the negative voices out of your head. That is some sometimes can be really hard to do, but take right. the negative voices away from around you. And you know what that and that doesn't mean don't have people that are critics too. I feel like in an incredible way, like my mom really taught my brother and I. It's not about like constant praise. Oftentimes she's the one that keeps us grounded. That's like, "Hey, here are the things that you could do better. Like you do need people to give you honest feedback. And so I don't want to mix those two things up, you Mm know? Um, So certainly have people that love you enough and care about you enough that they can be like, yeah, you know what? Like you're kind of making a fool of yourself here. (laughs) Here are the things that you can do better. And I've realized like no matter how old I get, like I, I never want to be too old or too grown up or to have too big of a job for not having a couple of people in my life that can be like, yeah, you know what? You could do that way better. And um, in a positive way, right? There's a positive way to be doing things like that. But certainly for the people that say you can't, or you won't, or you'll never, move those people out, at least from a periphery where it matters to you. And surround yourself with voices of people that can help you believe because so much is possible. So much is possible. It's just sometimes, at least for me, it's like having the confidence to do. That's the hardest part.
0: Yeah, well, you've you've done a great job of doing that, Monica. I have to say, um, if you were going to go back and look at your career, and you were going to thank one of those voices, um, you're going to send them a thank you note. That one of those voices of of empowerment and confidence who helped you through, who would that be, and what would you say to them?
1: Yeah, you know, I I, I honestly think, I mean, there's there's a lot of people that I I should be Probably thanking, but I think I, I would I would do two. I would say the first would be to Bobby Yazdani of Code to Capital. I think that he believed in the vision of the brand like very early on, which I appreciate. But more so than that, he he wasn't just making an investment in the company. I truly believe that he made an investment in me. And I think much like I would liken the way that my mom does things, I would thank him for not not telling me what. I wanted to hear, but telling me about what I needed to hear. And I think as a mentor, those are really hard things to do. We want to praise people for the good things that have happened. And I think that there's definitely been some good things for us along the way. But the things that he always focused our conversations on were you know, seeing around the corner in terms of what I needed to be thinking about next. And he took up our time talking about those things, Hmm. which have made all of the difference for the future. We could have spent time talking about how great whatever happened at the time, and I would have never been prepared. So he always prepared me for what's next. And I appreciate that. And in my mom's case, I would say what I just said about having the right advisors is I would thank her for also telling me what I needed to hear. Oftentimes she's the one that delivers the message that probably nobody wants to deliver to me. (laughs) And I think that she has also kept an eye, like her, her goal isn't just for the success of the company. Of course she wants that, but her goal is for the success of our family, for the success of my daughter, and so she always keeps an eye on like what's most important for all of those things too, in a, a very universal way for me. And I think those are really important mentors to have. It's not just about the business, it's not just about you personally. Like who can you talk to that actually has an eye to all of it, and that's her for me.
0: That's fantastic. Monica, thank you so much for being on the show with us today and for sharing your story with us. Um, I think there's so much for us to learn and for all those listening who are, you know, getting into careers in retail or considering, you know, just business careers in general, um, who will find our conversation so valuable. So thank you so much. I appreciate your time and, and for sharing that with us.
1: Oh, my gosh. And thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking with you. And thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it.
0: If you were going to throw Monica Royer Palooza, Lollapalooza is <laughs> done. No more Chicago Lollapalooza. It's your own concert.
1: Gotcha. You have
0: three bands, dead or alive. Who are you having at your Monica Royer Palooza?
1: Wow. All right. So it's definitely going to have to headline with Tunes with Tim from the Lincoln Park Guy Shop <laughs> because awesome. I feel like in fairness to him, like that has been the soundtrack of the last four years. So with that, And a you doubt, have the
0: songs memorized, I imagine, by now.
1: Songs memorized. I'm sure he'll throw a baby shark in there. Like, <laughs> you know, well, you got to live the brand, right? So I would say 100% him. I would say second to that, um, without a doubt Beyonce because I feel like I've listened to so much of her music it's so empowering yeah um, and then I would say third you know I mean to have the dual female lineup then Lady Gaga because I oh, amazing. so inspired by her and um, yeah so I feel like that would be like a once in a lifetime to have Beyonce Lady Gaga and tunes with Tim all in the same place
0: well I can guarantee you that that lineup has never existed ever <laughs> so it would be a very unique concert and one that you would absolutely want to attend